0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Psalm Project Podcast, Getting Undressed with God. I am your host, Pablo Giacopelli and I am delighted that you could join me. This is episode number eight, which is entitled Prayer. Today, I am going to be discussing, sharing, opening up some thoughts, which I hope will challenge perhaps the current perspective or view that you have about prayer and that in doing so it will go on to enrich not only your prayer life but also your relationship with God like it has never been before. So I encourage you to sit down, fasten your seatbelts and I hope that you enjoy the show. Shalom and welcome everyone. All the way from Israel I send you My greetings, and uh, I hope everyone is having a great day. We have uh, some beautiful sunny skies out here in Israel. Uh, We're about 92, 93 degrees. And uh, as usual in the summer is very hot, but it's very placid. And it's always a beautiful thing to wake up to blue skies with no clouds in the sky. Now, um, I wanna share with you today uh, something that in my life for many years was a stumbling block not necessarily the thing that I'm going to share with you about, but how I approached it and I went about it. Uh, a little bit like these blue skies. Um, as I uh, approached it in a, you know, in a methodology way, where there was a method to it, where there was a, a structure around it. Um, I felt very limited. I felt like I couldn't quite express what I wanted to. I couldn't quite communicate what I was feeling, what I desired. Uh, And of course, we know it's true that words often fall short. Uh, They're not very good metaphors to communicate always, especially what is going on within us. But nevertheless, um, you know, it was it was a dark area of my spiritual journey. And like the skies here in Israel, which are now clear and and shining, um, my my experience of this thing, of course, uh, as I began to change the approach and I began to get rid of the methodology and the the methods and the the manipulations, if you like, that so many of us use in the hope that we can convince God to somehow uh, give us what we want, what we desire, and of course, answer what I am talking about, which is our prayers. Now, prayer is one of those things that that can become very complicated very quickly. Uh, And in fact, the the more complicated it becomes, um, uh, the more, you know, the more, if you like, the more difficult it is to do it. Because let's face it, uh, so often when we pray, we just feel like we're not getting any further than the the wall that is next to us. uh, And that's that God somehow feels very distant and, and very isolated uh, and that, you know, we've heard it before, you have to you have to press through that. You have to fight through that uh, to get through and, and after a few hours you manage to get there. That is, of course, if you have the few hours available to do that. I know in my life I don't um, and so... It would, ap- it would appear that if I don't have those two hours and I can't get through, then, of course, my prayers are indeed not going to go any further than the wall next to me. But the reality is I have, uh, I have good news for you. Um, and that good news has to do with the fact that it isn't something that we need to fight through. Uh, it isn't something that we need to, to labor through. It is true that sometimes in life when we are under certain circumstances, when certain things happen to us, you know, we are hurt. We are in deep distress. And of course, uh, praying out loud, uh, it it is really something that feels impossible. But as I I share this with you, I want to, like I do with everything, I want to invite you uh, to consider different perspectives about prayer that perhaps you haven't before especially if your prayer life feels like i just described it and just allow you to to really see something different that perhaps will have the potential like it has in my life to take this thing called prayer um, that for so many of us has has to happen at specific times and specific places and in specific ways into a liberating uh, flow of life that Uh, you know, begins within our heart and we just know every time, whether we are in deep distress or not, that what we are wanting to communicate, what we are feeling, what we desire, it is heard every time, regardless of how long we do it for, regardless of how hard we try, regardless of the situation that we are in. So uh, with this in mind, I'd like you to sit back, relax, and uh, let me just take you on this short journey of about 30, 35 minutes, where, of course, I'm going to open some things up that I have discovered uh, as I obviously have labored away from prayer and as have come into this spacious, joyful experience of it. Now, the first passage that I want to explore with you, uh, we're going to find it in uh, Matthew Chapter 6 and uh, from verses 5 to 13, which is, of course, um, where Jesus um, teaches his disciples how to pray. Now, a lot of us remember the prayer itself, but we we fly over what he said before he actually, um, you know, shared the prayer with them and, of course, with the larger part of us. Um, but before I do that, um, I want to just tell you a little story, uh, which I think will help you to understand what I believe Jesus was trying to communicate. And it is something that happened to me um, some time ago while I found myself praying uh, about a particular issue that was going on in my life. Um, I I found myself really without any permission or notice in this situation, which I had really not done anything to deserve it. Um, I had, you know, I had not said anything or offended anyone, um, if you can believe that, um, in any way to, to really find myself with the circumstances that I was facing. Um, and so naturally, I began to engage in that this, in this situation. Uh, in the middle of it, I began to To communicate what I wanted, what I desired, which was, of course, to see this resolved uh, for justice to be done. Um, I asked for the truth to obviously be seen by those, um, if you like, that were uh, saying these things about me and claiming these things. And and if you like, they were very noble uh, requests. Uh, And after all, I was asking Uh, For what I believe, obviously, at least from my from my position, that it was the rightful thing to happen. So naturally, uh, I persevered and, you know, I I prayed for a few weeks and and really nothing was changing. If anything, things were were getting worse. Um, And then about the fourth, fifth week, as I was just sitting there one day praying I began to sort of ask God, I said, God, why is it that I don't seem to be getting any direction from you? I am not really seeing any momentum um, moving towards the direction of what I am asking for. Uh, and in essence, why are you so silent and, 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 and like so uninvolved, it would seem. And I will never forget the words that were spoken into my heart, which were Pablo, Pablo, I am waiting for your false identity to stop praying. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I have those things happen to me, um, you know, I, I have one of those, if you like, aha moments, because here I was, you know, standing on my rifle position um, on, on justice and what I believe needed to happen. And, and in essence, I was just trying to get myself out of this situation as quickly as possible, if I'm honest. And, and as I labored away in prayer, God was obviously having some different ideas than what I was asking for. Um, and it was amazing when I heard what I heard, because, of course, it helped me to realize about that situation and, of course, many other situations where I have prayed often over and over for long periods of time have obviously paused and then revisited again and prayed and prayed and nothing has happened and that is that there is a very big difference when we pray from our ego from our mind and we we try and get god to do what we think is right we try and get god to we think is fair is just that obviously usually has us as the party that benefits from the answer and no one else um and of course you know when we actually pray from our hearts where we uh, somehow uh, our prayers are are marinated by the presence of god and within them uh, contain what god desires uh to see happen in any of course particular situation now in Matthew 6, um, Jesus has a uh, several things to share with us about the healthy way in which uh, he wants to encourage us to pray, but more so the healthy way in which he wants us to approach prayer. And, and the, the beautiful thing about the, I don't know about you, but about prayer is that at the beginning of my journey, prayer was something that I used uh, if I was, for example, in a, in a church circle when we were praying, um, I used it uh, as a tool to get attention on myself, to try and impress people by the way that I prayed. Uh, if I found myself in a church meeting and people were invited to pray out loud, again, uh, I used multiple, multiple words. Um, and I, of course, tried to sound as impressive and as holy as possible. In the hope not only that God would hear me, but also that the fellow, you know, brothers and sisters around me, that they would be impressed with how amazing my vocabulary was when I prayed. Now, obviously, um, when I found myself on my own, I also remember um, trying to be as relevant as possible through the words and the methods and the ways in which, of course, I was praying. Now, as we begin to see um, in Jesus' words here in chapter 6, and I'm going to be reading uh, from the Bible that I always read unless I specify, which is, of course, my Aramaic Bible. Jesus says, and whenever you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites that love to stand in the assemblies and on the corners of the marketplaces to pray that they be visible to the sons of men. And truly, I say to you that they have received the reward." Now, again, when we pray from our ego, it is mainly centered around us, glorifying ourselves, showing ourselves up, qualifying ourselves through the way that we pray, the words that we use to pray. And usually with our ego, like I mentioned before, we only have a vision for one, and that is ourselves and we are focused on what's best for us. We miss the the bigger picture, if you like, where others are included, and of course, more so what God wants. Now, Jesus goes on to say, but when you pray, enter your inner room and close your door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret, he will reward you in open. Now, It is interesting here that he uses an inner room Uh, for most of us, of course, in our houses, we have an office or our, uh, you know, our den downstairs, our basement, you know, Um, we have a place where we can retire to that is adjacent to the rest of the house, but that is not part of the main areas of the house in which, of course, the living gets done. Now, interesting enough, in Jesus's time and for all of you that have been to Capernaum here in Israel or other places, you will know that people lived in a one bedroom or one room house. Okay. And unless you were very rich, the common person lived in one room and had no other rooms. This is why, for example, in that scripture, you know, when that man comes to knock uh, in the middle of the night at the door, And the guy goes, go away, you know, we're all in for the night. I can't get to you. Uh, You know, obviously back then they didn't have a cellular phone where they could turn on the lantern or, or the light, or they could just, you know, push the button and with the, the face of the, of the phone, they could find their way to the door and not step on everybody, which of course was asleep in the one room that they lived in. So, you know, he didn't have that, that luxury. So of course it was pitch black. And he couldn't get to the door without stepping all over everybody. Well, funny enough, Jesus here speaks of an inner room, which means a room inside the home. Now, because we don't have that inner room, I believe what Jesus was meaning was he was saying, when you pray, enter your heart and close your door. So in other words, pray from your heart. Don't pray like the hypocrites from your ego, but instead choose to go Into your heart and pray to your Father who is in secret. So, in other words, He, your Father, is there in your heart, waiting for you as you pray to intercede with you, alongside you, and to hear you. And your Father who sees in secret, He will reward you in open. Here we get the first picture that prayer is an intimate interaction with God it isn't something that is just a petition. I mean, imagine how would you feel if every time people spoke to you, they just did so to ask you for something. That's it. So they call you and says, hey, Pablo, I need a, a kilo of oranges. Can you please deliver? Yeah. Okay. Now they did this 300 times. By the 400th time, I'm going to be thinking, you know, these people, all they're interested in is what I can give them and what I can do for them. They're not actually interested in me. And when we pray from our ego, that, is one of the biggest obstacles why we find it so hard to break through to God, because we are just wanting him to do something for us. And the thing that we're most concerned about is fulfilling the desire of our ego. Now in this picture, we meet God in that secret place. If you like that garden of Eden within our hearts, And there we commune with him and is in there through that communion and that space of, you know, that place of intimacy with him when we ask, when we ask him to ask through us, when we ask him, what does he want? What does he see? What does he think? You know, that intimacy between two lovers that he then helps us to pray. And then he then takes that prayer. And like the book of Isaiah says, it doesn't return void but it accomplishes everything he sent it out to do. And again, he says here, he will reward you in open. Now, when you pray, you should not be chatterers like the pagans, for they hope that that by many words they will be heard. Again, when you are aware in your heart of God's presence in your life, you don't need to go on and on and on. Say, for example, I need something from my wife imagine if I and say something, I need something from the refrigerator. And I say to him, darling, could you please get me a yogurt out of the refrigerator? Now that will suffice. Yes. Because I know my wife loves me. I know she's next to the fridge. I know that she likes to do things for me and vice versa. And so I don't need to in somehow push her or convince her because I'm fully aware of her commitment, love, and devotion to me as her husband. Now, imagine if I started going, Dalian, could you give me that white um, uh, yogurt in the refrigerator? You know, the thing that is on the corner. Can you please make sure? Because you know, I'm really hungry. And without that yogurt, I'm going to really struggle to make it through the day. And I'm going to get sick if you don't give me the yogurt. And of course, if you don't give me the yogurt, then that means that the yogurt will probably spoil. And you know, and if I don't get that yogurt, I won't be able to do what you want me to do when I, I mean, could you imagine if that's what I did just to ask for a yogurt? And if you, if you are honest and I am honest and I'm happy to be very honest and I'm doing the talking here, so I will say I used to pray like that because I, if I'm honest, was not fully aware that God was for me, that he wanted me to be um, that he wanted to intimately. Re- I didn't know what an intimate relation with God was. I was not aware of how much and how well he loved me. I was not aware of the commitment that he had towards me in my life. Now, once this is established, you know, Jesus says, do not imitate them for your father knows what you need, what need you have before you ask him. Therefore pray like this. Now, you know, the prayer, I'm not going to go over the prayer because of course it will be very familiar to all of us, but the prayer contains within it every single basic thing that we need but also focuses mainly on things that, yes, practical things in life, but also things that have a spiritual dimension to them. Now that we understand, uh, obviously, the importance of praying from our hearts uh, and the need for that to be sort of like the byproduct of the intimate relationship, the intimacy that we have with God, I want to share with you something that um, happened to me uh, some years back, which influenced my prayer life with God tremendously, Um, but more so it taught me um, and gave me insight in what true intimacy is about and what is the healthy way to approach it. Where, of course, this can be applied, obviously, to a physical relationship, but also with our intimate moments of prayer and meditation and communion with God. Now, um, just so that uh, you understand this person, um, I was actually working with this person. It was a a working matter. Uh, And this man, he was an Israeli, obviously born as a Jew, but had become over time, uh, obviously a Buddhist. And he, in fact, was a Zen master. Um, who taught uh, throughout the year prayer workshops in India? Now, um, before uh, you go and or some of you go and have a, a religious breakdown, I just thought it's important for me to, of course, give you um, just sort of a little disclaimer. I'm not a Buddhist, I don't subscribe myself to Buddhism or the teachings of Buddha, um, but I am open to hearing the voice of God. Um, when uh, I speak to others, regardless of the labels they carry, because if Jesus, sorry, if God could speak through a donkey, then He can certainly speak through a man. That even though he might be wearing the incorrect label according to some people, he nevertheless, God has the capacity to speak. Um, you know, through him. Now, in this particular situation, I had actually been praying for a while. I had read many many manuals on prayer. I had, um, you know, had spent a lot of time listening to prayer warriors and people that had all these techniques and ways. But the reality was that I realized, I, be, I was beginning to realize that, you know, the techniques were basically just ways to get God to give me things. There was no real relationship, if you like, within that prayer life. Uh, and though, Sometimes I got what I asked for, I still didn't feel that the basic, you know, underlying premises that I needed as a human being were actually being, um, you know, experienced in my life. And it didn't matter how much I prayed and how much I said and how many things, it just wasn't happening. Not to mention that I just didn't feel I was connecting with God. And so I met with this guy and you know we were we were meeting for uh for some some other business that uh, I was doing at the time with him and uh he was part of something that I was doing um and so he says to me you know Pablo the problem with you Christians is you don't know how to pray. And so of course I uh you know I I laughed you know I took a sip of my coffee and I said um you know I played along and I said uh you know what do you mean? Now, I knew exactly what he meant, but I wanted to hear his version. And he says, well, the problem with, uh, with you guys is when you go and pray, you go shopping. And you have the shopping list and you try and get the higher power to give you what you want, what you believe you need. And all you're really interested in is just getting from the higher power and then you walk away. You're not really interested in him. So I said to him, OK, I says, you, you are, of course, you know, under the impression that all Christians are the same. He says, oh, Pablo, I've seen you guys on the TV, how you pray, you know, those those guys with a microphone, how they say, you know, uh, give me one hundred dollars and you will get this and that. And so, you know, I started laughing because, of course, I knew exactly what he was talking about. So I said to him, so, Zev, why don't you tell me what is prayer to you? And he said to me, well, prayer to me, Pablo, is like making love where a lot happens, but very little is said. So that obviously caught my attention and it intrigued me. And I said to him, well, can you just open up a little bit more? And he said, yeah, of course. He says, well, the three ways, three basic ways in which one approaches an intimate moment with someone else, be it another human being or being God so i said to him okay and he says well the first basic level is which is what most people that i like you he says do is you go in there to get and that's it you're only aware of yourself what you need what you want and you just go in there to get so i said to him okay he says now the second level which is better than the first but it's still very much sort of you know based around you and your ego he says to me, is you go in there and you give, but you only give in order to get. Now, I'm sure for many of us, that sounds very familiar. Give this and God will give you that. So the transactional relationship, the transactional you know, intimacy, if you like, where it's all based on a transaction. I do this, you do that. You do that, I do this. Again, that is more along the lines of a soldier and a captain relationship instead of two lovers or a father and a son or a father and a daughter. And he says, and the way that I believe is the way that really is meant to be. He says, you go in there to lose yourself in the moment and you allow your lover to do with you, to take you and to really lead you in however and whichever way he wants to go now i um i share with you i think it was last podcast or the one before that of course i meditate and i must be honest with you that after that meeting that day i had an amazing i actually left to america to one of my speaking tours that i often do and i was in pennsylvania by a a small stream of water and i had an amazing encounter with god in prayer and I i remember that um I, I actually said very little and yet was still present and listening and allowing God to, to really lead me like this man had said, um, you know, in the way that he wanted me to go. Now, after that, that led me into this, and I shared this with you in the podcast before, into these spaces of meditation where I now meditate most mornings, pretty much every morning. I do miss here and there and I do have a day off a week, you know, on, on the Saturdays on Shabbat. But I do spend time meditating and I began to realize at the beginning of my meditations that the main concern my ego had about meditation was that because I wasn't going to be saying very much, I more than likely wasn't going to be receiving anything at the end of it. Now, if indeed making love and praying are exactly the same, you know, the intimate moments where a lot happens, but very little is said, you know, people are incredibly impacted through an intimate encounter, but also, you know, the way that we are meant to be impacted when we encounter God, then of course, you know, it is, I mean, it is incredibly important that we do a lot more listening and we are still like, you know, God says to David, be still so that you can know that I'm God and that we are still than we do talking. Now you're probably thinking, well, Pablo, how do I ask God for what I need? Good question. The thing is, God says to us before you even ask, I already know what you need. You know, we heard Jesus say that uh, before he taught us how to pray. Now, God also, you know, Jesus also told us, be specific in how you ask. So, again, there is a time to ask and there is a time to just be present and intimately relating with God, which is what prayer is meant to be between us and God. It isn't meant to be uh, for a way for us to get something or for him to be this puppet that we go and we try and manipulate and use to give us something, you know, this powerful puppet we have or this genie that, you know, because we did X Y and said he has no choice but to give us our three wishes. Now that we are aware of the importance of intimacy and how prayer is just almost like an extension. It's, it's something that is birth and it's, and it's experience from primarily the intimacy that we have with God within our hearts uh, in the center of our being. We we come into this space uh, where prayer, we realize, um, is something that we can do all day long uh, without having to be on our knees or on top of a mountain isolated from the rest of the world um, you know, talking for 24 hours a day or, or 12 hours a day, or whatever, how many hours a day you're awake. And, you know, I remember the first time I heard in the scripture and I, of course, then read it from first Thessalonians verse five, where Paul says, pray without ceasing." Now I, you know, again, when I looked at this from my, my mind and I thought, you know, well, You know, the way this looks without even being aware of a a third way is I either pray all day or I don't pray. So there wasn't an in between because it says pray without ceasing. You know, it doesn't say pray. It says pray nonstop. So when it's a nonstop flight, you know, unlike a flight that has a stop, you know, you either make the flight or you don't make the flight, you know, stopping halfway where you're supposed to be going on on a nonstop flight. It just means that you only did half a flight. You didn't complete the journey. So it was not nonstop. So in the same way here, Paul is saying, listen, guys, you need to pray without ceasing. Now, I don't know about you, um, but I, you know, like everything and as a good soldier that I used to be, I tried. I tried and I, you know, I remember I was working on a tennis court, giving lessons, and I was trying to pray and teach at the same time. I was going to the toilet. That was easier because, of course, in the toilet, you're on your own. And I was praying there. And then on the way home, I was praying. And, and you know, I found that I was completely absent and totally removed from my life to the point where I actually my work started suffering. You know, my relationship started suffering because I was somehow, you know, a slave to this thing that I had to continuously communicate with. Well, I'm happy to tell you that I have been delivered from this uh this prayer without seizing uh, idol, if you like. Today, I captured, I've been able to see this third way that, again, I shared with you, I believe, in the last podcast. It always exists in every single thing that we read in Scripture and in every single dimension in life, which is, of course, the way of the kingdom. Now, just sort of to help you understand, when you reach a level of intimacy with God, when you become fully aware of the oneness that you have within your heart with Him, um, you then become comfortable being with him in silence, whilst at the same time being aware of his presence. So, just like a husband and a wife, uh, you know, I sometimes will go for a drive where I will go from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, a drive that from my house will normally take between 45 minutes to an hour, and I will converse with my wife along the way, but there will also be parts of the journey where we have become very comfortable with each other's silence. In other words, because we are silent, the other one isn't wondering, oh, is she thinking about this? What is she thinking? Is she upset with me? Or maybe she's not interested in me. All those insecurities are gone because there exists a deep under lying premise of love, of trust, of intimacy between us. And our silence has a lot that is being said within it, but no words are required. You know, um, it's very important that we grasp this concept of intimacy from the heart with God. You know, God is somebody who's interested first and foremost in the condition of our hearts. And it is while we focus on that, that then everything else in life becomes aligned with what he wants, including our prayers. Gandhi had a a fantastic saying that was, it went something like this. It says in prayer, it is better to have a heart with no words than to have words without a heart. Mother Teresa said, you know, God is a friend of silence. Look at the planets, you know, so much matter, so much mass, how they move around the sun in silence. When we try and move a motorcycle down the road, we wake the whole neighborhood up. God is, is it, it, you know, his language I am finding is silence. And it's within that silence that God speaks the loudest to us. Now, unlike us, God isn't a chatterbox. And I think sometimes when we are praying and we're saying so much, you know, that's why the Holy Spirit takes over with tongues. Um, if this is something that you, you know, that that you pray in and he starts to pray because, you know, we're babbling away and he's probably like, okay, enough of your babbling. Let me now get to the point of this prayer. And, you know, and I'm not being, I'm being facetious in a way. Clearly, I know he intercedes through us and for us, but I've often wondered if that's why often he will take over the prayer because he's just tired of us babbling away, not getting to the point and trying to rehearse the point over and over because we somehow feel that as we do that, he will be more than likely to answer our prayers. Now, as we come to the end of this uh, podcast, like always, I hope that you have, um, you know, been blessed by it, that a new perspective or understanding to prayer um, has come into into your viewpoint. Um, The important thing is not to fall into condemnation and to try and pray from our heart. Uh, Praying from the heart is something that happens. It's a willingness, it's a desire that we bring to God and God facilitates that event, um, and, 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 and makes a way for it to take place and become something that is more and more frequent until, until, or eventually it becomes a lifestyle in our lives. That is what prayer is. Prayer is meant to be the extension of that inner intimate relationship that we have with him. Ask, you know, I ask, and I normally do that. Um, after my meditations of 20, 30, 35 minutes, where I find that when I do ask, I actually don't ask as much as I wanted to, or I thought I needed to ask for before I meditated, because by then I'm fully aligned and centered with God in my heart. And suddenly so much of the detail and so much of what I thought I needed and I had to have finally has dissipated and disappeared. As I've become aware of of God's presence uh, in a greater way than I was before I started meditating, perhaps. As I become aware of his commitment and the ferocious love that he has and he feels towards me. And the fact that he always has my back. And that because I am delighting myself in him, the desires that he has for me are the desires of my heart. And because they are in that way, he will give them to me in time. You know, when we pray from our hearts, we are not in a hurry. Anxiety is not present. Fear is not present. Because we are still and we are in the presence of God. And you know, it isn't the power of God that changes our lives or our circumstances. No, it is the presence of God that does that. And we can only become aware of that within our hearts. As for me and my life, gone are those days that I would spend wondering what God was thinking, what he was feeling, what he was wanting, and what I could possibly do more of to try and hopefully change and get him to align himself with what I believed I needed and I deserved in my life. You know, today more than ever, even when the prayers are not answered, Even when I knock on the door and it is not opened, even when I seek and I don't seem to find, I still have this deep-seated, unshakable confidence within me that I am loved, that God is for me, that I am known, and that no matter what may or may not happen, God is always with me, 24-7, loving me like no one else can, and blessing me like no one else is able to. May you too come into this wonderful, still, peaceful, and intimate space within your heart. You know, that inner room that Jesus spoke about, where you will not only find your Father in secret, but that you will also discover what it looks like to see your prayers, your desires, and the things that you really want in the depths of your being to come alive and to become part of your life outside, where everybody's watching. Until next time, may you continue to know the inner, intimate, and life-changing embrace of that beautiful, resurrected Christ every day of your life. Bye-bye. friends thank you for listening to the zone project podcast getting undressed with God we have come to the end of another episode and I sincerely hope that it has been enjoyable a blessing but above all else it has led you to perhaps consider perspectives you have never seen before for more information about the zone project this podcast and all the other work that I put out on a regular basis please take some time to check out the show notes where you will find the relevant links as for me I hope that you can join me again. So until next time, thank you and shalom.